0: No, we usually pray right now, but I, I'm not, we're gonna save, I think we're going to save the Lord's Prayer for the end today. Is that all right with everybody? We change it up a little bit today? All right. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, yeah. We're going to start in the text today. If you would open your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah. Uh, I want to read it first before we do anything else. The word kind of grounds me, kind of settles me in. Hope it does for you as well. So we're in Isaiah 64, reading verses 1 through 9. You can get out a device if you like, but I like turning pages more. All right. And I can know when you're there. I can hear the pages going. All right, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. Like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, And made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We're all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. People of God, it's the Word of God. Yeah. All right, so what I wanna to do today is I wanna unpack our series, Advent, and then get into today. Um, so if I can, can I get slide number uh, four? So as the video led us to, we've been talking about it, this is, our, this is our hope for the series, this is our prayer. We are longing to create opportunities for the one who is holy to break into the ordinary. I had this thought the other day, this is my 39th Christmas. So while it's a unique time of year, it's a time of year that we always do. Uh, so actually, it is kind of ordinary in that we always do it. And when you always do something, what happens? You get used to doing that same thing, and what happens? You just do it over and over and over, and it becomes very rote and very ritualistic, and we just do the things that we do because we do them. That is not what we want. We are longing for the one King Jesus to break into our ordinary we want him to do something different this year—not just in this season, but it's kind of a, to me, if you can, if we can find a way for it to happen now, when we are busy, distracted, I think maybe we could do it later in the year. You see, Advent is supposed to prepare us for Christmas, much in the way that Lent prepares us for Easter. We used to have less to do in February and March, and so it's easier to do that to prepare at Christmas time and December, November. It's it's crazy. So to actually create space, to be quiet like we'll talk about, to be generous is really unique and different. It would make us a very different, unique people. People might notice that we're living a different way. So we are longing to create opportunities for the one who is holy to break into the ordinary, everyone, every day, a new thing. That's what the Lord wants to do. How are we going to do that? We have two ideas. We'll do it here in the room. And these are then things for you to do outside of this room. So we're going to practice radical generosity and then we're going to find some quiet. I love the word silence, but I'm afraid the word silence is going to scare you. To sit in silence sounds kind of weird and kind of strange, like you're kind of crazy, but it's actually a really good thing. So we're using, I'm going to use the term finding quiet because to be a person who could find some silence in this season means you are looking for it. You are trying to find moments of quiet. And we're going to give you opportunities in this room and outside of this room. So I'm going to run them through really fast and then we'll get into today. So i will start with finding quiet. Mike mentioned the first one. Every week in Advent, we're going to, in this room, create a space. Wednesday nights, 630 to 8. You come and just be. There'll be quiet music, some prayer prompts. You can pray for people. That's a unique thing to do over Christmas time, right? Over Advent, to be praying for people, interceding on their behalf. You can just sit here. You could not talk to anyone. I went to a conference a while back and I just didn't want to talk to anyone. So I went and sat in the corner. And I had a great time. <laughs> Maybe you need that. Maybe you just need to sit and not talk to somebody. You can come and do that here every Wednesday night. That's one. Two, we made these little Advent devotionals. These are our passages. That's for our church. It's to what we're going to talk about each week. And in it, it's each day. It's very simple. There's a, a passage from that upcoming sermon. It says, find quiet in your day. And then what it says to do is set a timer for five minutes to be quiet. And then as your mind wanders, there's a simple prayer. This, today's was Jesus, here I am. My mind wanders, Jesus, here I am. My mind wanders, Jesus, here I am. I think if we did that, if we did it for the whole season, it might change us in some way. So that's a tool for you that are outside, just so you know. Second thing, we want to be really, really generous. So today, you've heard about it. We're doing what's called a reverse offering. So at the end of the service, we're going to play a song. You're going to sit and a a bucket's going to get passed. And you can take this if you want. Inside is $20. It's not a lot. It doesn't make a lot. But what if it became more? So after receiving this, we're going to give you some quiet where you can pray and say, God, what would you have me do with this? God, what would you have me give up to grow this? God, who do you want to receive this? So we're all going to do that. If you want to participate, you can. That'll be at the end of service. The last thing, we're going to do a, a food drive. It's going to be fun. So needs have increased amongst lots of people. So uh, times are tight. Can I? everybody fi- feel a little tighter monetarily right now? Yeah? Yeah. So there's an increased need just for, we pray every week, daily bread. So we want to be a part of daily bread, for people in our city and in our region this year. So you're going to get a card. This card says, winner, winner, let's eat dinner. And you get a package of hamburger helper, a can of fruit, two cans of vegetables, and a package of rice or pasta. You go this week and you get that. Next week, when you come to church, the first thing you do is you walk down the aisle and you put it right here. We're going to bring an offering of daily bread. And after 11 o'clock service, we're going to get all of it out. If you want to stick around, you can, because it's the kids' Christmas program afterwards. But we're all, we're, we're, I, I kind of hope, I told Mike, I kind of hope we can't see y'all on the stage. I hope you're kind of singing behind a wall of boxes and food. So we want to be really generous. We're, we're sharing things. Week one, week two, week three, radical generosity. We want to be a people who can share our grief. This is a hard time of year for a lot of people. It's a hard time of year for me sometimes. We miss people. There's expectations, things we hope for this year that didn't happen. To withhold our grief is actually selfish. To not share with someone how I'm doing, it creates connection with them. To me, friendship, relationship grows. It's an act of generosity to share our grief. So we're going to do that December 17. And then on Christmas, we're going to share our lights. And I have an ask for you. I want you to invite someone to church. If you invite someone to church with you, it will change everything about this day for you. Someone told it to me and I didn't believe him. And I need to invite someone too, just so you know. Because if you bring someone with you, you notice everything differently. Did anyone say hi to my friend? Did, did, did they know how to get coffee? How was their experience downstairs? Who'd they talk to? Did, did, did someone go and say hi to them? It will change the way that you see this, this time together. And it might change then the way that you come here. You'll be looking for more people. You'll be wanting to say hi to somebody. You'll go out of your way. I'm talking with my wife. Oh, but that's a new person. They look lost. Let me go help them. It will change how we all come together. So that's week four. So that's how we're going to be generous. Sound good? So the series in a sentence, give me slide number four one more time. We're longing to create opportunities, not just here, but outside of this place for the one who's holy to break into just Normal, everyday, mundane, Monday through Friday, Saturday life in Pella, Iowa. Sound good? All right. Sound good? All right. Today, we are going to be in this passage. And what I want to do today, I want to kind of organize this. Can you give me slide number six? I love what Tom shared last week uh, and Mike shared again today about these different Advent's. So, these different arrivals. So, Jesus arrived as a baby, Advent number one. He's going to arrive someday. We spent a whole fall talking about that as the King. And in between, he arrives in our own personal lives in different ways. And what's fun is he does arrive for a first time, I guess, as we receive him. Then, the funny thing is, is, he just keeps showing up, he keeps arriving. So I know there's one, two, three arrivals, but I kind of feel like he just kind of arrives constantly if we're looking for him, okay? So today, what I see in the text are those three arrivals. The first one is in longing for power. The person who's writing is longing for King Jesus. But he's recognizing there's been an abuse of power by himself and by us. Reason for Jesus coming the first time, arrival number one. But then at the end, he concludes with this really interesting idea of perhaps the power I've been longing for arrives in a really different way. And I get molded by that power. Three arrivals, three advents, three comings. All right. So let's begin. Number one. I'm going to read verses one through five, if you want. Five A. It says, oh, that you would rend. That means you would, God, would you tear open the heavens and come down? Because if you did, the mountains would tremble before you. Like when fire sets twigs ablaze and water begins to boil, come down, make your name known to your enemies. Cause the nations to quake. For you did awesome things that no one would expect. We didn't expect. You came down, the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one... Has heard, No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you. No one can do it like you do. No one has that kind of power. You come to the help of those who gladly do right and remember your ways. You see, the person who's writing, this is the context is, uh, we've talked about this before. There was an exile. The people of God were exiled, removed from their homes. because Actually, because lots of bad decisions. They had bad political alliances. They worshiped the wrong things. They were destroying themselves and they got exiled, led a long ways away. And they have returned to the place that they used to call home. And they had expectations. There's a way that they remembered it. The temple was this way. My home was this way. And they've come back and nothing is the way they remember it. They hoped it would be this way. And it wasn't. Does that happen to anyone during the holidays? When you come to a family gathering, you have some expectations of how this should go. And it's not the way that you thought it would go. It's different. am I the only one that happens to sometimes? that's kind of that's kind of how he feels because his nation has been destroyed I, I I don't know what it's like to feel that way. so he is bringing a lament to God. He is bringing everything to God. In fact, if you read the broader lament, which is from chapter sixty three seven all the way through sixty four twelve He's almost not even sure who whose fault it is. Is, God, are are we, am I feeling this way because you're silent, because you're M-I-A? Or is it because of what I have done? He's not sure. God, where are you? I'm longing for your power. He begins his lament in 63:7 with, but I remember, God, I remember, I remember your Hesed, your loving kindness. I remember that you're the kind of God. And what Hesed means is. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. I know you're that kind of God. When I shouldn't expect a thing from you and you give me everything. But in this moment right now, I don't know where you are. And I'm not sure if my brokenness, my pain, my decisions are my fault or yours. That's what he says to God. God responds to him in chapter 65, and he lets him know it's his own fault. But God is silent. He's not one to be manipulated. He's trying to do something with his people. But it's this beautiful, back and forth, honest, raw conversation, which this book, these books are full of honest, real conversations between people and God, and God likes it. So my question, this writer, he's longing for a certain kind of power. He's looking backwards to probably the exodus when God descended on a mountain. And it says in Exodus 19, when he descended, the mountains covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. A trumpet was blasted. The smoke billowed up. Like a furnace, the whole mountain shook violently. It got louder and louder and louder. He's remembering. I mean, I I can't even imagine. I've been in some loud arenas that shook. But can you imagine a moment where you wanted to see God descend in that way? Could you be outside and all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, at least you live in Chicago when the blue angels would fly over, you could feel the planes as they flew over briefly. You could, you could feel it. What would it feel like if God fell, descended to earth? That's what he's longing for. Their whole life has been destroyed and he wants God to come with Have you ever longed for that kind of power? I have not lived in that time period and experienced that kind of thing, but I have longed for power. You ever sat and seen someone you love laying in a casket? and think, oh God, sit them up. Have you ever been in the family someone you love is making decisions and their life has just fallen off the rails. And you say, God, show up. That is what he's longing for. That is how we're supposed to begin Advent. Longing for the power of God to come. Have you ever longed for God that way? in his longing, though he recognizes something. So he wants God to fall. God is silent, God is not, he's not showing up. But he remembers something. You can go back to that slide again, slide six. He says, but, but, because the circumstances, he's saying, are we did? We did this. We did we had a part in this. He says we continue to sin. We continue to make choices. How can we be saved? All of us are unclean. We're all of our righteous acts are filthy rags. We all shrivel. We're all swept away. No one's calling on your name. We are wasting away. What's interesting to me as I read that was, so if you read the prophets, they're oftentimes, they love God. And they're trying to implore the people to long for that kind of power, to long for that kind of relationship. But even though he loves God, do you notice his language? He doesn't say, you stupid sinner, you get your act together, you do that. No, he says, we. He includes himself. I said in the last service, uh, for better or worse, or for I must right or wrong, but we have a bit of a reputation as far as of Jesus. Sometimes at being really good at saying you, 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 and this guy saying no, we, we. All need that kind of power. We all should long for it. We. I was so struck by that. Because I say you a lot. We all need this king that we are looking forward to on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We. You know, here's an example of this of the season. So in the beginning, right, Genesis, we talked about this in the last series, we're meant to rule and reign with God, right? Participate with him in bringing this world somewhere. I love a quote by Tim Keller. He likens it like this. He said, that we were called, originally as image bearers, representatives of God, to rearrange the raw materials of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular to thrive and flourish. We are supposed to do those kinds of things. That's who we are meant to be. But he's saying, but we don't always do that. So we, we abuse that power. 1: 128, we're supposed to subdue, do things with, with, with this. And I subdue in a bad way sometimes, an unjust way. Maybe I'm the only one. But he's saying, no, we, we all do this. We all need the power. We all fall short. So example of the season. Can you give me a, I don't have time for it. So I'm walking through, give me slide nine real fast. That is St. Nicholas, Okay. Saint Nicholas. Anybody know who Saint Nicholas is? Saint Nicholas, can you give me slide eight? Lived in Turkey. Okay? This map should start looking familiar to you if you're in the last series at all. Can you give me the slide before? Those are those little churches that we just talked about 500 to 1,000 people who are trying to faithfully follow Jesus. Get back to slide eight. That's where St. Nicholas is from. And he lived about a century after a guy named Polycarp, who was John's disciple. So he's like one generation removed from, two generations removed from, from St. John. That little church that was faithful. Surprise. They didn't compromise. And soon there were Christians all over Turkey. One of them's name was St. Nicholas. Can you give me that slide number nine? St. Nicholas, a lot of his stories is lore, is legend, you're not really sure what's true or not true. But he was known as being a man of compassion and mercy and generosity, radical generosity, radical mercy. He was the saint to kind of the, the forgotten. Sailors, the uneducated, kind of the people left behind. He was the saint to them in the Catholic Church. Well, St. Nicholas is where we get Santa Claus. So, a person talking about an abuse, a, a switching of something good to fit what I want, if is working or not. This is a man who loved God, who was radically generous. And now, the time of year that remembers him ish for some people is not very much about, for most people, compassion and mercy and generosity. Isn't that strange? So I would say we've taken a beautiful thing and not always, but have morphed it into a season of sales and things and. Right? You tracking with me? Is this making sense at all? So we begin this season longing for power, for God to. Whoo, but we have abused power and we've done some things that we shouldn't with our rule and our reign and our, our, what we're supposed to be doing in this world. So the final part of the passage, verses eight and nine. So this is where I think it's unexpected. So the author, the author wants power. Then he recognizes, oh, I'm broken. I need help. Verse eight. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We're the clay. You're the potter. We're all the work of your hand. So I don't, I'm not artistic. I see some people here who are, though. But when we think about the potter's wheel, right? So what what, what if the power the author hopes for is different than he thinks? What if the way this power arrives, arrives in a way that he would not expect? So on the potter's wheel, right, it spins. artist in here, remember this? Spins and spins, and you as the potter, put your hands, a little water, put your hands on the clay, and slowly mold it, and shape it gently I think most of the time. It's not power, it's it's gentle molding. But those are powerful hands molding this piece of clay into something. So Uh, my little girls like to spin right now and they can spin for forever. They can spin and spin and spin and spin. But the other day I was spinning them and I was spinning like this and after two, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Daddy needs a break. So I was thinking about, so we're longing for power. But recognizing that we need help. Well, think about that. Does anyone here like to spin circles a whole bunch if you're older? No. What do you have to do? you got to sit down. <laughs> and you got to reorient yourself. So in a world, an actual world that spins, in a life that is spinning faster, in a season that spins faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, and faster whew, I would have to sit down to live in it. But if I'm sitting, I'm not doing anything. So this really powerful, gracious God, in the midst of all the things, gently puts his powerful hands around us and slowly molds us and shapes us. Power comes in a different way than we think. So I've been thinking a lot about Mother Teresa recently. Then we're going to go to our reverse offering. Sorry. just says, that was from my own brain. And this really well documented that Mother Teresa had this, uh, this dark night of the soul. You hear about this? Anybody? So Mother Teresa, we all know who Mother Teresa is, right? Most kind, wonderful lady perhaps to ever live, right? Her whole life she set apart to love the least of these. But they find later her journals that she actually felt very disconnected from God for quite some time, like for like 40 years. God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And as I thought about that, in light of today, we're looking forward to his powerful coming. That's the first Sunday of Advent. Could you imagine being her? That They say in her orphanages, when the little baby was going to pass away, that the nurses, or the, the sisters, were to hold that baby and love it until John 14, Jesus came and took that baby. So that's what they did. Can you imagine? Mother Teresa sat with kings and queens and presidents and powers who had all the money in the world who probably could have done a ton of stuff to help her. And they didn't. Some. I saw it being her. I'm holding these babies as they go to be with Jesus. I'm sitting with people who could actually change things, and they're not. I can see how, at some point in time, she might be saying, God, would you show up in power? Would you write this injustice? Would you do something different? I could see how she feel that way. But even in this dark night, even in this longing, this waiting, no one knew it. It was in her writings. How is that possible? Her her the, the people who worked with her were just they were kind and they just gave and she was full of joy. How could she be longing and be waiting? And joyful. Just me playing with the passage, I think that she knew that she knew who the father was, she knew the touch of his hand, and she knew that I don't, somehow he was molding something, doing something beautiful in the midst of all the waiting. So Mother Teresa had this great line, I'm sure you've heard it. What you wish you could do for everyone, just do for one. What you wish, as you look out on the world, this and that and this and that, what I wish I could do for everyone, she said, just do it for one. What a remarkable lady. So that's why I think this reverse offering is today what you wish you could do for lots? Would you do it for one? It's $20. What could could God do with $20? When I was a little boy, I'll never forget this story. I'm not trying to give you it. I don't want to say you have to do this. But I have a memory of uh, it was back to school shopping. I checked with my other brother to make sure I was right. And we were going back to school shopping. And I didn't know this because I was little and I didn't know our finances. We didn't have any money, you know. And before we went, my mom said, let me go check the mailbox quick, okay? She went to the mailbox and in our mailbox was $500 in cash. and we could go buy the things that we needed. And I remember my mom's face. I think she was floored. That is a good God showing up in the ordinary moments of life. I have never forgotten that. Who, that, person could, that person could be in this room right now. I said last service too. So if you are, I said thank you because your act of generosity changed me. It changes how I view my things. It changes, it changes how I view what I've been given. One very simple thing, very simple act, our family felt seen, known, loved, encouraged, blessed. Whole organizations have grown out of this kind of reverse offering the money has multiplied to thousands. Actually, I know of a story already that's already happening. Somebody's already knew we were doing this and are already multiplying the funds. What could God do with this? With a radically generous people. So my hope, I've got a slide somewhere. So back in the Exodus, when God comes in a powerful moment where the people feel his presence, in a way that jars them, rocks them. Do you wanna know what the people had to do before God could come? They had to be consecrated. Consecration, it's like a period of time where we make decisions to prepare us to meet with God. Advent is a period of consecration, where we are dedicating ourselves, we're thinking differently, we're, we're living differently, preparing to meet with him. So in my mind, this is going to be one of the ways that people meet God. People who have been molded by a good father, who are listening to the Spirit. God, who... Thank you for this gift. Who should I give this gift to? When should I give it to them? How much bigger should I make it? And I think this is going to be one of the ways this season where someone who does not know yet who God is begins to know. Because they get to meet with someone who represents him in Pella, in this region. Isn't that exciting?